హలో పీపుల్ అవుట్ దియర్ దిస్ ఇస్ ధనంజయ్ సుధార్ ఇనోవేషన్ క్యాటలిస్ట్ అండ్ కమ్యూనిటీ అంతూసియాస్ట్ యాడింగ్ వాల్యూ టు దిస్ రాధా బికో సిస్టమ్ ఎస్ గైస్ ఐ వెల్కమ్ యూ ఆల్ ఇన్ దిస్ స్పెషల్ ఎపిసోడ్ విచ్ వీ కాల్ ఇట్ యాజ్ స్టార్ట్అప్ ఇంజనీరింగ్ విత్ బ్రాయిన్ ఎస్ గైస్ టుడే వీ హ్యావ్ మిస్టర్ బ్రాయిన్ క్లాటన్ హూ ఇస్ అ సిఇఓ అండ్ కో ఫౌండర్ ఆఫ్ గ్రీన్ పేల్ విచ్ ఇస్ అన్ ఆన్లైన్ మార్కెట్ ప్లేస్ దాట్ కనెక్ట్స్ హోమ్ ఓనర్స్ విత్ లోకల్ లాన్ కేర్ ప్రొఫెషనల్స్ and this is a service based out of usa so yes guys we are about to you know interact with this amazing ceo and entrepreneur who you know has made a startup which is also known as an uber for lawn care you know and this is the title been given to them by entrepreneur magazine so you know how validated the startup is and what value will brand bring up on board to us in this particular interaction so yes guys i'm really excited to know more from him about his own journey about how he started what hurdles were there how he encountered that and what not so so i'll i'll not take much of your time audience and i'll uh, you know give this mic over to brian and i'll ask brian you know to take this opportunity you know introducing himself and his own startup or do you Brian people who cut grass so you know yeah. outside of your your house you have the grass the yard that grows you have yeah. to and so in, in the united states it's quite common for people to hire lawn care services to come and take care of this for them and it's kind of a pain to find somebody to actually show up and do that service you have to call 5 or 10 people get estimates uh maybe one will show up maybe one won't and then you have to uh somehow pay them maybe with a check or cash or with venmo or something like that greenpal makes that whole process very smooth kind of like uber but for lawn mowing uh so a okay. homeowner, yeah homeowner comes onto the mobile app or to the website they enter their address they'll get five prices back in a minute or two and they can read reviews and hire the service they want to work with and pay them right through the app. Okay. So that 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 seems very simple to it, right? But when uh, when your journey started or you know uh let 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 you share about the journey where the idea incepted into your mind. How how did yeah. you start with the idea or how did it stuck to your mind? Yeah. Great question. So my first business that I started in 1998 was a lawn mowing business i started started mowing yards in the neighborhood that i lived in and over a 15 year period of time i grew that business with just myself and one lawn mower to 150 employees okay. and that business achieved uh, 10 million dollars a year in annual sales and in 2013 that business was was acquired was purchased by the largest landscaping company in the United States. Okay. And so throughout building that business over 15 years, I learned uh very uh, innately about how the lawn mowing business worked. Uh how uh lawn care services operate their business, how they grow their business. And so I knew that side of the market very well. The other thing I saw running that business was as we grew that company to become very big we no longer offered just the basic lawn mowing services that homeowners wanted we did larger commercial jobs for apartments or 
golf courses or uh, uh, office complexes. Uh, that was the type of work that we grew that business to to do. And we no longer did the, the, the basic residential mowing. And so people would call us every day asking us to come mow their yard and we would refer them to two or three other smaller providers. So in effect, we were this referral service. And after I sold that company, I saw what Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, uh, and, and uh, many other st startups were doing for traditional analog uh, types of transactions, making them very smooth. And I just knew that, that this was a, an obvious idea that needed to happen. Somebody needed to build this product to make this much more smoother. And so it was a very obvious thing for me. I had no idea how hard it was going to be to actually build this marketplace, but I knew that it would exist and I knew that people would want it. Uh, and so I just started hacking on it and started, started small and little by little grew GreenPal from uh, 20 users after our first year to now we have over 200,000 people that use the service every week to get their yard maintenance taken care of. Your initial life uh, when you were in college and how was stuff then? So when I was 18 years old was when I started my first business, which was a traditional lawn mowing business. And my father said to me, I was playing Nintendo and my father came into my, my room and he said, hey, we have a job to do. We're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And I did not want to do this job. But he yeah, made me many of us don't know. <laughs> yeah. He made me go mow the neighbor's yard. And he and I did it together. And uh, after we got done, uh, we were paid $20 to mow the neighbor's grass. And after that, I was hooked. I, I, okay. I just from that moment forward, I have always been in business for myself. I've never had a job. I've never had a boss. I've always owned my own business. Because something about working for myself and and being able to chart my own path and being able to make as much money as I wanted to make if I was willing to work hard enough just stuck with me and so I by at the end of that year I had 10 or 12 people in my neighborhood who as clients and as time went on I grew that and by the time I was in college I, I had 50 to 60 weekly customers and two employees that were working for me it is. Great. So and that then, is a very, you know, uh, know, best example when it comes to a student startup, right? Uh, even in Gujarat, where I uh, belong to the state, right, where we are speaking up from you. So in this state also, you know, the government helps and supports the startups and mostly the student startup with this policy, what they call is that a student startup innovation policy, right? So they do support students and they nurture them with the design engineering stuff. You know, they are also a bit you know, where uh, people lake while brainstorming about the problem, right? Uh, in, in your case, I guess uh, your father uh, helped you kickstart the journey and, and that's why how you got exposed, exposed to the problem statement and you know that, yeah, this is the current problem statement, you know, it's there in the vicinity where I live, yeah, you know, it's there in the vicinity where my friends live and that, that's how particularly you started, right? So that's, that's how the problem statement thing worked for you. That's correct. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you, you, you make a very good point. You want to be solving an actual problem. And, yeah. and for me, as simple as it sounds, uh, the grass doesn't stop growing. 
It has to be mowed every week. And as simple as that is, and 20 years ago, it's still the same today. You know, I'm applying technology today, but at at the very essence, we're offering a service that saves people time. So, so we're mowing grass, but really we're in the business of selling time uh, because, mm-hmm. because the a homeowner doesn't have to spend the hour three or three hours mowing their grass. They can hire a service and effectively buy time. So I was selling time back then the same way I'm selling time today. And that's the problem that, that, that we're solving. But you make a very good point that you want to ha- yeah. you want to identify that problem and understand what is the actual problem I'm solving. So what what do you, Brian? I know uh, give this uh, audience a bit of uh, tip to finding the real problem statement is because you know uh, many a times I have seen uh, startups the initial you know first time entrepreneurs starting with a problem which is there in their assumptions you know that uh, identifying the real problem is a uh, very first step uh, an entrepreneur should take. So, so what, what's your take on it? Yes, you, you are correct. And I think the only way to really know is as simple as this sounds, you have to talk to your customers. You have to talk to your users as much as you possibly can. And, and in, in our country, we have a saying, it's called get out of the building. And so, so, <laughs> so, uh, so often, even as tech entrepreneurs, you're, you're busy writing code. You're, you're making designs, you're, you're trying to market the product, and you literally spend weeks, months, maybe even years in your office, and you think you're working hard, but you have to tell mm-hmm. yourself, get out of the building. And get out of the building and go talk to your users, go talk mm-hmm. to your customers. In the case of GreenPal, when we launched the first version of the product, we didn't have any marketing, we didn't have SEO, we didn't have any way to acquire users, so we handed out uh, flyers, uh, door hangers, okay. on people's doors. We handed out probably 50 to 100,000 of them around, my, around our city. And we were able to get a couple of hundred early customers to use the service. And we knew that they wouldn't stick around long, but the reason we wanted to get those users was so we could talk to them to understand what problems we were solving, if any. and and. Uh, out of the 50,000 flyers we hung, we hung, we probably got 300 users. And of those users, maybe 20 stuck around and used the product. And of those 20, I think 12 or 15 met with us and would speak to us. And so we would sit down and speak to these people. And we would understand that where we were letting them down, where we were solving a problem for them, what they expected the product to do, what they wished the product would do, uh, and, and, and why they even took a chance and used it. And one key thing that we came to understand was we mm-hmm. thought we were selling the cheapest way for somebody to get this service completed as okay. a cheaper alternative than competitors, because we thought, okay, if we can get you five quotes, you can, you can then compare those prices and hire the cheapest one. And what we came to understand after talking to those early users was it wasn't necessarily the cheapest, they wanted it fast. They needed somebody today. And that was the problem we were solving for them. Because if you're having to call around and wait for phone calls back, and you're frantically trying to get somebody to mow the, your grass before your graduation party tomorrow or your dinner party <laughs> tomorrow, you okay, need it okay. done today. 
And so we came to find out, okay, the problem we're really solving is not necessarily a cheaper solution, although that is important. The main problem we're solving is speed. We need, we need faster quotes because a lot of times back then it would take three or four hours just to get your quotes back. And so okay. we knew, okay, we have to reduce the cycle time on, on how fast we deliver quotes to the homeowner and then how fast they come out to mow that yard. Ideally the same day, worst case scenario the next morning that those were the main problems that we were solving. And we did not know that until we spoke to our users. And even to this day, six years later, I, you know, I'm the CEO of this company. We have 30 employees that work here, but I still handle customer support for, for a few hours a day because I want to be talking to users. I want to be talking to customers. So I, I never lose sight of that. I understand what problems we're solving and also what problems we're not solving. Okay, so means uh, means uh, it, it's good means uh, I heard you uh, for this couple of minutes and I got three uh, major points uh, out of your uh, brief uh, introductory answers and all that you know uh, there are a few things very important when it comes to initiation and you know uh, starting with exact problem. So the very first thing which I came to know was a communication thing, right? Whether it comes to a feedback from a genuine customer or it's just like in casual interaction with your customer to know how that how they are you know uh, growing and what the problems are exactly they are facing right the very first was this communication the very second thing which i came to know was user experience right you also talked about how you treated people and uh, they were actually not looking for a cheaper price but they were actually looking for a faster service right right so this was the very second point and the very third point miss uh, which was uh, at the very core of it was a standardization and processes, right? Right. It streamlines your business. Right. Right. So, so who do you want to uh, add on this uh, thing? Yeah, you, 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 you are correct in, in, in keying on those, those, those points because they're all very important. You almost cannot talk to your customers enough. And one mm -hmm. thing that's helped me inside of our app is we've installed uh, Intercom which is just a chat, chat solution. So intercom is inside of the app, you know, in the lower right-hand corner all the time. And then, and then it, you know, it, I've, I've got intercom right here, you know, like I'm getting intercom pings as we're talking and I can talk okay. to any of my customers anytime I want 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now I have customer support people that handle that for me as a CEO, mm -hmm. but I can jump in there and talk to a customer anytime I want. It's in my pocket seven days a week. If I'm in line at Starbucks or at a coffee shop and I've got five minutes, I will go through intercom and I'll look through, I'll look through customer communication and see what they're saying, where people are happy, where people are not happy. So I can't stress that enough that you can almost not talk to your users and your customers enough. The next, the next point is processes. So as a, as a small business owner or entrepreneur, you have to, especially in the early days, you have to balance working in your business versus on your business. In the very early days, you're going to be working in it 90% uh, of the time and on it maybe 10% of the time. And the difference between in it and on it is, uh, for instance, I talked about handing out flyers. That's working in the business. But, learn, but, but getting that feedback to, to develop a process for how to make those people happier 
and how to get those people to refer other people or how to use the learnings from those users to develop a search engine optimization strategy that's working on your business. So you have to understand the difference between the two because so often business owners and entrepreneurs spend 100% of the time working in their business and they, and they just kill themselves working seven days a week, uh, yeah. working in the business and really all they have is a job. They don't have a business. So you have to slowly get to where you're working on your business and you're developing systems and processes around the things that you're doing to not only get the stuff done, but also develop a flywheel to grow and get towards your goals and your objectives. Pretty good. Right. So the, the very, very second thing, uh, you know, which I want to ask you about how was the, you know, at the initial stage when you don't know, or you are learning about businesses, right? So uh, how do you improvise your sales funnel? It's because for every entrepreneur out there, every businessman out there, right? Sales and revenue is the ultimate thing along with the impact, which is the business or the startup doing on the society, right? So how did you figure out, means, you know, it must be an iterative process, building out your sales funnel, right? But uh, could, you, could you just uh, pick out a few points on it? Yeah. So... So if you're a traditional analog entrepreneur, like I was when I first got started, it's very different. Sales is very different in that type of business than it is in the business that I have today, which is a purely digital business. So those are very, they're similar. A lot of same fundamentals apply to both, but they're very different. And so you have to identify, okay, what is my sales process? Is it, is it an in-person long uh, nurturing sales cycle where I'm literally a salesman. It's going to be a very different skill set than, than today where it's a 100% search engine optimization strategy. So, so those two are very different. In the, in the early days for me, I had, to, I had to train myself how to become a good salesperson. And when I started, I thought a good salesperson was like a car salesman who was really good at being tricky and really good at, uh, convincing the person to buy the car and like him win and that person lose. And as I, as I started reading books about, about win-win sales and about becoming a good sales developer, I began to learn that sales is not, is not win-lose. It's not, I win, you lose. It's win-win. It's, yeah. it's really getting into the customer's day-to-day -day life and understanding how you can solve their problems and make their life better, make them more money, and you win in the process. So when I started that, when I was starting that company, I, I came to a process of understanding if I was talking to a restaurant like McDonald's, and I would say, okay, I know there's a hundred people you can hire to mow the grass, but how do we use the the landscaping around the building to sell more hamburgers? How do we, how do we? how do we make your restaurant stand out to where more people pull off the road into your restaurant and to where you can increase sales two or 3% this month, just off your landscaping alone. Here's five ideas we have. Uh, maybe we install some flowers in the front entrance uh, where people drive in, maybe at the drive through where people place their order, we clean up all the cigarette butts every time uh, we come to cut the grass. Uh, maybe we install, uh, some nice uh, grass in this area where, where it's all muddy and, and people might be looking at that 
when they might be uh, supersizing their order or not. We would change the conversation to be around how do they make more money if they hire us? That's good sales. And, and it took me about eight years to come to that realization that that's what sales was. These days, you can learn this type of process through sales gurus and, and develop that in months. You don't have to waste eight years like me. But in the late 90s, early 2000s, we didn't really have the, the resources available to us like we do today. So that's the good news is you can, you can learn from, from people who have already done this and, and to do it right the first time. Yeah, it's really in, insightful. And uh, in nowadays, you know, Brian, this digital marketing guys are really uh, helping, you know, multiple uh, people out there. Right. That's right. That's right. The playbook is there. You just have to execute it. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll move out to a few questions now as because we are also uh, losing on some time. So we have a question that says, uh, how can I design a new product and how can I progress every day regarding of design? Basically giving a context of his personality, he says that I am mechanical engineer and my forte is designing a product and machine for people. Okay. Did you get that? Yeah, so if I understand the question correctly, and help me. So the, the person asking the question is a mechanical engineer, and maybe they're not design-oriented. Maybe, maybe they, they want to know, okay, how do I design a product if, I'm, if I have an engineering background? Am I yeah, understanding yeah, that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so your engineers are awesome at engineering technical solutions to problems. Your designers are, are good at, at developing products that, that, that users use that, that are the, the interface between those, that, te that technical base and what, and, and what they interact with. And a lot of times, those are two different parts of the brain. And, and I get that. So how do you, as an engineer, uh, close that gap to where you're good at this too? So first thing is, if you're developing a product and, and you don't, you, you have this, this gap and, and you're this person asking this question and you don't know, there's a saying, fire bullets, then cannonballs. And what I mean by that is develop the simplest version of whatever the product is. And it might not even be, it might not even have any code. It could just be a prototype. And it, and it could just be, it could just be uh, wireframes on a, on a piece of sketch pad. Whatever the smallest version of that that you can do is, and, and then put that together, put all of the workflows together, and put that in front of five people. And let's say, let's say you have an app like mine, and, and there's, there's like five things that you have to accomplish. You have to put in your address, you have to... You, you have to get quotes, you have to read about the, the people, you have to hire them, put your credit card number, those five screens. And then you, you create those five screens in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a wireframe, which is basically a sketch, or maybe even you, you hire a, de a designer on Upwork to, to make them look a little bit better. And then you put it in a prototyping software like Envision or Marvel. And then you can put that prototype in front of five people, 10 people, maybe even 20 people, and just watch them use it. If you do that over and over again, you will close the gap from engineer to designer. 
Now you may never be a world-class designer, but at least you'll have some, some knowledge of understanding, okay, this is how I develop a product that people will use. So often uh, people with engineering backgrounds, the first thing they want to do is write code. And that's because that's what they're good at. And so it's, they have this idea, oh, let's go write code. And really that's, that, that's not the right way to approach it. I have this idea, let's get something in front of some, of some people, some users, and then let's <coughs> see how they use it, see if we're solving their problem, and then let's write some code. So before you write the first line of code, let's, let's, let's get some feedback from some users from a prototype first. That's how you can close the gap from engineer to product designer. You may never be a world-class product designer, but you can at least close that gap. Great, great answer, Brian. So now I uh, will uh, love to hear from Nikki about his question. She had a question and she shared to ask. Yeah, Nikki. Hello. Hello, am I audible? Yes. Okay, yeah. Hey, Brian, it was a great session. Thanks for all the insightful uh, uh, verdicts. So uh, I am a mechanical engineer again, and I have this uh, uh, made a product which is an automation product, a machine. But when I go to my customer, most of them say that uh, they have an issue, they have a problem, and they are fed up with the manual labor, and they are irritated by the manual labor. They want to solve that problem but when i uh, show them the solution that this is the automation solution uh, they can be uh, used to increase their productivity and also uh, uh, lower the uh, irritation or say uh, problems they have with manual labor like managing them and all that stuff but then uh, they are reluctant to uh, change that uh, entire process they are reluctant to show uh, how uh, or uh, involve automation into their process uh, at least so i'm facing a mentality issue over here so the mentality of people in gujarat india is that automation is costly it's a fancy stuff and we should avoid it manual labor is they have problems but they don't ne uh, realize the need for uh, change the solution how can i uh, cross this barrier if you can share some insight it would be great yeah wow great question and i and i've dealt yeah. with that i've dealt with that myself uh, in my current business, GreenPow, we have 10,000 lawn care services that use our platform. And our platform is so much easier than doing it with pen and pad, Google Docs, passing out flyers, the traditional way they do business. And so, so same problem that you're dealing with, we had uh, an incumbent base of, of lawn care services that did not want to adopt our platform. They did not want to change how they were doing business because they have just done it that way for 10 or 20 years. And so while we're not automating manual labor to a degree, we are automating things like bookkeeping, things like marketing, uh, things like scheduling. And so it's so much easier for them if they would just adopt it. But so many of the uh, incumbent base would not adopt, adopt it. And so what we had to do to solve this problem was forget about the 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 businesses that are old school that aren't going to do it any other way we began to focus on the upstarts the businesses that were just getting started and we would we would get in the trenches with them so to speak we have a saying get in the trenches which means literally like go to their place of business get in the truck with them and understand how their day-to-day -day looks 
and then build our software. Say again? Uh, Getting into their shoes. That's right. Getting into their shoes. Yes. Like, and, and so, and so we would, we would build our solution to that day-to-day life for those new entrants into the market because the old, the the existing ones, you're never going to change them. You have to, maybe some, but for the most part, probably not. You almost have to let them decline and you help the ones that are, that are getting started with your new solution. Um, and, and, but if you're in it, so that's the first way I would tackle it. I would, I would spend all of my energy on the new entrance into the marketplace. I would almost get into business with them, especially with those first five or 10 or 20 customers and build my solution to their needs. And then I would, I would document as much evidence as I could of how I'm improving their life. Here is how, here's how this business doubled revenue or doubled profit in, in Q1 uh, 2020 or, or 21 and, and, and how our solution helped them increase sales. And I would take videos, I would write case studies, I would, I would, put, I would take as much, uh, uh, interview them, I would, I would take a, uh, get testimonials and make all of that nice and neat and put that on your website under a case study section. And that way, once you have that evidence with some of these new entrants into this marketplace, you can use that to try to convert some of the existing ones. And you may still never get them, but that's a, that's a good way to, to try to show them, hey, here's how we're helping your competitors, uh, maybe in a different geography or a different place so they're not direct competitors. And that'll help maybe convert them to take on your new solution. The other thing too is, is when, you're, when you go through that exercise, your solution will naturally get better. It'll naturally get, it will naturally improve to where you have a better value proposition for, for the, the late adopters. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Nikki, for the very Thank you, Brian. Thank, that's what, My yeah, th- th- thank you. Thank you. So the very next coming up is uh, Mrs. Sonuka Jena, who is basically an uh, incubation manager and a very close friend of mine. So uh, she works into this incubator and she has a question, uh, something regarding to the student startup, I guess. Yes, ma'am. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, good evening, Brian. This is Sonuka from uh, Orissa Bhubaneswar. Awesome. Okay, uh, Brian, I have um, actually I'm mentoring uh, and also I'm as an incubation manager in an engineering college. I'm an incubation manager. So I am uh, surrounded by a lot of engineering students over here. So uh, what the problem I'm ha- having over here that uh, my engineering, my university college students are winning the hackathons and all, but they are not going to beyond the hackathon. Means if we are, they are winning hackathons, I mean, they are very good engineers. I am promoting them to start their own startup. So in, in your idea, in your view, uh, how I can motivate those engineering students to, with their own idea, they can cope up after hackathons, winning hackathons as well. Okay, so if I'm understanding you correctly, you've got, you're producing quality engineers from your, from your, your, your program, and we're going to the hackathon, we're, we're developing ideas and we're, we're hacking together basic products, but then it's like it's dropping off the cliff and, and we're not taking any of these products actually to market. And, yeah. and that's where we're getting disappointed. It's like we're, we're, we're kicking butt and then it's like nothing, no, nothing is actually coming into the marketplace. Am I understanding and, that and correctly? That, and that's actually a very big problem. Let me see it and let me commit it, Brian, that 
is actually a very big problem residing into this uh, student fraternity right now. So your insights would be really helpful to all of us. And yeah, please go ahead. Okay. So how do we, how do, how do we motivate? So is, so let me ask you this. Do you think the problem is a, uh, is a motivation problem? Like the, these, these engineers are awesome engineers, but they're not entrepreneurs. Yeah, that, I, the, yeah I am, I'm facing a problem in promoting and motivating them to come uh, to um, take their idea to the market. Okay. Do you think the, do you think that they don't believe like, do you, because I'm in the United States, we have the, you know, the American dream and, and the dream is that anybody can start their own business at any time and can accomplish their dreams by starting a business. And I visited India and, and, and it does seem that there is an entrepreneurial spirit there, but do you think that, that, there, that there is a, that, that there just isn't that uh, kind of thrust that people don't believe that they could start to start a business and improve their life. Do you, do you think that is, is it that deep or is it just a lack of motivation because they would just rather work for somebody else? Like, what do you think like their psychology is? I so, think, uh, uh, Brian, yeah. what is the problem over, over my market area over here is the students are, uh, they know that they are very clever. They are very intelligent and the product which they are, uh, they made, will definitely uh, create a huge difference in the market. But what I'm thinking over here is, Brian, they don't want to be the risk taker. Mm. Yeah, and it is a risk. They don't want to lose their placements or their job responsibilities after the fourth year, but they, they want to be an entrepreneur, but not on a risk matter. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard because there's a debate. Are entrepreneurs born or are they taught? And there's a debate on both sides of this. Some people believe entrepreneurs are born and, and you're just born that way. And you always are going to be that risk taker. You're always going to want to get in the ring and, and you're always going to want to be in the game. And, and, and if you're not, you're not happy. When I sold, sold my first business, I could have retired and I took about six months off and I got very bored. And, and I actually started my second business because I just, I'm an entrepreneur. That's who I am. Um, and, and I do see quite a bit working with engineers. They're more interested in solving problems from an engineering standpoint. It's what they love to do. And that's what they're awesome at, but they're not necessarily born entrepreneurs. And so the short answer is there, there, there's not going to be a straightforward way to motivate somebody to want to take the risk. Either they're going to want to take it or not. However, if, if there is some way to give them evidence that look at look at this startup here in 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 in, in, in from our town may, may, you know maybe if there are some some other successful startups that have come out of your city that you can point to or even out of India in general and maybe you can bring those people to talk at your your incubator and and maybe have one of those a month or a week or as many of them as you can to give to give these 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 engineers evidence that hey you can go down this path and and you can grind your way out to a much better outcome than if you if you, if you just go work for somebody I, I i see this a lot and i see this a lot in my country we we have a lot of uh a lot of immigrants that come from mexico 
And there's a very different mentality between a Mexican culture and, a, and an American culture. And what we see on our platform is Hispanic uh, Mexican business owners don't think like business owners. They're the hardest workers ever, but they don't think like entrepreneurs. And it's, and I think it's a cultural difference. So that might be what you're battling. You might be battling um, some, some ingrained uh, cultural psychology that they just it's just not ingrained in their mind to believe that they can take the risk and, 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 and achieve a huge outcome. So step one, let's look for whatever evidence we can look for to put in front of these students. Step two, maybe, maybe you, you have to calibrate your goals and say, okay, if we have a hundred graduates this year, let's just get one, let's get one of these things into the marketplace. Not, not 50, you know, 50% or 75%. Let's just get 5% or just one, get one hit and then cultivate and nurture that hit and use that as evidence for, for future, for, for the, for the future uh, students to say, look, you can, you can graduate and go get an engineering job and, and make this, or you can, you can continue down this path, take this, this MVP that you have, and, and continue to work on it for the next five years and achieve a 10 or 100 times uh, sized outcome than if you just went to work for somebody. So maybe dial great, it back. Great. Uh, just, Mince, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Brian, Mince, uh, uh, we are using this free trial of Zoom and might be uh, shutting up within uh, just one or two minutes. So uh, I, I get your point. So I got two major things uh, out of it that if you want to motivate your students, build your success stories, right? That is the number one point. And uh, after looking and hearing from all of this, you know, question and answers, what I thought and what I, uh, what the thing comes to my mind is, right, entrepreneurship is not a job. It's not a sector when it comes to startup ecosystem, but it's a lifestyle. That's right. right? And uh, let's, let, let's see what uh, further we can, you know, uh, do things together. Sounds right? great. I enjoyed it. Any, any last one-liner? We have just 20 seconds left. If you want to start a business, do it now and never get up, give up, get in the game. Because if you're not in the game, you can't win. Great. Great, Brian. Thank you so much. You know, it was just a very lightning moment. Supercharged. Thank you so much. And looking forward to build the ecosystem and add value to it. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. Thank you very much, Brian. You have a good evening. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, people. I hope I was able to add value to this. Let me know what else do you wish to make me cover in the next upcoming episodes. You can write me up at connect at the rate I'll be more than happy to help you in every possible manner. Looking forward for your love and support. Wish you guys post and more. Stay tuned for more such interesting and insightful episodes.